Welcome to Well Examined, the podcast where science and discovery meet intuition and wellness with your host, Christine Dynes. Each episode, I'll chat with the best minds in integrative epigenetic health, biohacking, neuroscience, quantum healing, and lifestyle design, as well as a slew of reputable citizen scientists across all facets of wellness. Today, we're joined by biological medical specialist, Dr. Dick Tom. Dr. Tom has over 45 years of medical experience from teaching doctors to being a professor for over 25 years and a clinical practice. He has authored an impressive five books and will be launching a certification for medical professionals that will undoubtedly change the face of how medicine is practiced. Dr. Tom practices in Scottsdale, Arizona at the American Center for Biological Medicine and at the Biomed Center in Rhode Island. I met Dr. Tom on a recent trip to the Biomed Center and was deeply intrigued by his unique philosophies and practice of biological medicine. I'm excited he's here today so you can all hear about his innovative approaches to optimizing health. Hello, thank you for being here. My pleasure. Happy to be here. All right, we are going to dive in. I still think that it's funny how I was out at your Scottsdale clinic so many times and you weren't there and it took traveling across the country to meet you in person. <laughs> That's the way it happens sometimes, right? Yeah, definitely. So it's funny. I have learned, I think I've told you this, but I have learned a lot about you from your students. Uh, living in California, a lot of your students moved down there and started practices over the years. And of course, everybody has a good story. And everyone would say, oh, you have to talk to Dr. Tom about this or that. And so all the questions that uh, I want to dive into today are really more community questions and community thoughts from people's experiences with you. So I thank all of your students. You obviously have made an incredible impression on them. All right. So all my audience members that are always listening, they are used to me asking, what's your guy, your passion, your reason for living related to your profession? So what do you think about that for yourself? I have had uh, the same passion for uh, almost uh, the 45 years that, that I've been in practice. The, you know, 51 years ago, I started at the University of Toronto in the Faculty of Dentistry and thought that was going to be my career. But the second year I was in the second year in dental school, I met my now wife, who I've been married to for, we just had her 48th uh, anniversary. Oh, and congrats. And when I met her, she was just getting over mono. And over the course of our relationship uh, as a young woman, she had a, quite a number of challenging health problems that, you know, people just said, oh, it's this, it's that, try this, try that. And you know, over the course of a number of years of seeing many physicians and really not getting anywhere, uh, it became evident. You, you meet different people and they said, well, why don't you look outside the, the medical world? I said, well, what are you talking about? Anyway, it led to a, a discovery that there was more to medicine than what uh, allopathic medicine has to offer. And, you know, it was recommended to me that, you know, I do some of my own studies. So I did. So over the course of about three years, I actually would go to the library every week. I would take out four or five books that said health or living or lifestyle or whatever. And over, you know, reading 500 books, not cover to cover, it became very evident that uh, we don't live in a healthcare society. We live in a disease care society. But every, and no matter what I was reading, there was a theme 
to what needed to really happen for people to practice uh, health care as opposed to disease care. So it started on my mission. I obviously, after uh, 14 years in dentistry, I decided to go back to school and became a naturopath. And, you know, and, and, you know, in naturopathic school, you sort of learn that there's alternative to just taking, uh, you know, prescription medications, but it wasn't just about taking a homeopathic remedy or an herbal remedy. <clears throat> and I, and I started to learn that what I really needed to do was to, was to, as my passion was to truly educate the world that there is alternatives to what the disease system is that we've had. So I pretty much dedicated my entire 35 year, 35 plus year naturopathic career to actually teaching other physicians who could teach their patients really what health is about and not really focus on disease. And, you know, with the course that I'm going to be teaching uh, coming up in just a couple of months starting, you know, the goal was what I found was after teaching probably over five to 6,000 physicians, you know, my model or what I believe is the model truly of healthcare. Uh, it became evident that we need more of these, more physicians around the country, because in our own practice, uh, you know, patients would say, well, where else can I find a physician who practices like you do, who thinks like you do, who understands the body uh, in the way that you understand it? And so I've developed this course uh, with the idea that we're going to teach more doctors so people won't necessarily have to travel to Rhode Island or travel to Scottsdale but they could be in Miami, Florida or Portland, Oregon or Seattle, Washington or you know Timbuktu and they'll have access to a physician who has an understanding uh, and a way to actually uh, help people truly uh, find what is their true meaning of life because you know my approach to medicine is you know not necessarily to cure somebody, but to allow somebody to reach what I believe is their optimal wealth, wellness, their optimal potential. And that has been every day. That's really what I do when I, when I go to the office, when I talk to people, you know, the, the most common thing that I say to a patient when they come in, and especially when I first meet them and they say, uh, you know, or I said, how can I help you? And they say, well, I have migraine headaches or <clears throat> I have stage four pancreatic cancer or you know, I have toenail fungus or I have PMS. And I said, well, you realize that I don't treat any of that. Because <laughs> I don't know how to treat that. Uh, you know, our goal is to help you understand why you have it. And when mm -hmm. people change their think, their thought process about disease versus health, that's when, you know, they truly have the ability to, to cure themselves. And so yeah. that, that's totally my passion. I love that. We're going to get more into that about what you just said about, oh, I don't treat any of those things because you said something funny to me about that when we were in Rhode Island. I'll, I'll get there later in our conversation, but let's talk more about this certification. The other day I was talking to Katie Mannix at the Marion Institute and she asked me, um, oh, have you talked to Dr. Tom? Are you aware of the certification that he's, you know, beginning to do? And I'll just tell you that so many of the people in the audience today, they are already integrative practitioners. They may practice functional medicine, or maybe they've heard about biological medicine. Uh, and some are MDs. So I'm interested in you sharing more specifically, who is it for? How will they access this and, you know, integrate it into their practice? For years, I have had the, the goal to, to, to teach uh, other people. And as I said, I've taught five to 6,000 uh, doctors. But what I found is, is that, you know, it's not just being a physician. It's how do you integrate this into 
into your practice. How, how do you go back home on Monday morning after being in class for, for three days and say, okay, how do I take what I've just heard and what he's, what he's been teaching me and put it into my practice? So this is, this is going to be the one-of-a-kind, most unique way of teaching people because not only are we teaching the physician about the models of biological medicine and how they can incorporate it into their practice, but we're also requesting that they bring uh, a lead hand, an MA, a nurse, uh, and also their front desk person. So we're gonna we're gonna teach them the business aspect. We're gonna teach them the the nurse aspect of how you actually do these things, and we're gonna teach the physician uh, the parts that they can ultimately integrate. So it's really it's a team approach uh, that we're gonna do this. It's gonna be taught over uh, three separate weekends. Uh, the first weekend is coming up on October. It will be online, and that that one is for anybody. In fact, I'm encouraging uh, patients or just in people in uh, interested in health uh, versus disease who want to think about there is in fact an alternative way of looking at uh, any type of problem. And then the second and third levels, which will be in uh, February and March, will be in Providence at, at our clinic. And we'll actually be all hands-on. We'll show people the specific type of diagnostics that we use, which is beyond just a, a blood test, a, you know, a urine test, a MRI, CT. For, and it's beyond what functional medicine does also. Biological medicine, in my opinion, is the step above, uh, beyond functional medicine, which more or less is just relying on you know, a moment in time. The type of diagnostics that we do and the type of therapies we do are much more quantum um, quantum physics, more based on Einstein approach, Newtonian yes. approach. So this this is a very unique uh, aspect that people will have, and literally, I feel very confident by the time uh, the entire team of, of people finishes, you know, the course, they'll be able to add it directly into their practice with pretty significant improvement of you know their their income. Uh, without having to work harder, we say they they just need to work smarter. So, very unique uh, aspect of. Uh, so the first course is for everybody. The second and third levels will basically be for the team team approach. However, some people may not have a team, and so we will encourage them also to both to attend level two and level three, so they'll get exposure. And you know they may take a, one of the diagnostic type things and add a couple of the therapies and just add it on to how they presently are practicing. Because uh, I really think, I mean, I, my bias of course is biological medicine really is the medicine of the future. And it's the way that we truly are gonna help the, our, our country, the Western world at least, uh, move out of a model that basically is based on wait till it's broken, then we'll try and fix it, which we, uh, it's pretty obvious doesn't work, especially in the United States. Uh, you know, I don't know what the latest statistic is, but if you look at healthcare, we're the last I looked, we're like 18th on the list. And I never yeah, low. And I just and I just saw for for childbirth, I think we're 12th in the world, and it's like wow. And you know, it's mind blowing. It's like wow. How how are we? Why are we doing so poorly? It's because we don't really practice healthcare. We practice disease care. Well, you made a really uh, poignant point by saying we're going to teach the model for everyone to work together you're bringing your staff you're bringing your nurses etc i'm sure you can appreciate as an integrative practitioner for years uh you know not only is integrative medicine about combining different modalities it's about working with other practitioners and patients need team care team philosophy 
everybody on the same page. So it becomes completely intuitive in the practice. And that is working smarter. I've had to refer out to so many different practitioners because there isn't an all under one roof biological medical approach. I mean, obviously your center has that. Um, I've seen how you all operate. I've been a patient there. So I love it. It works. I send all my people. Um, So I think the certification, I think it's going to light a new fire for people who are frustrated with dealing with insurance companies or, you know, uh, not being able to maximize their staff and have their staff involved in the right ways. So I think it's, yeah, I think it's really exciting. Still in med school, we all know they're lacking a bit in teaching business. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. And you're right about the, the aspect of a, of a team approach, because, you know, I certainly from, we'll say an alternative, the aspect, the whole idea of practicing medicine, where you sit one-on-one with an individual is so archaic and and you know the the physician is responsible for the types of things but then we have the ability now using machines and and higher high tools it's not just here take this try this try this prescription or try this herb or try this homeopathic but <laughs> you know how do we basically get you know, people's uh, you know entire because i believe biological medicine is based on biochemistry physiology and physics and that's really what it is that we're focusing on and not, oh, we'll do an amino acid test and say, oh, you're low on these amino acids. The question is, well, why are you low on the amino acids? You know, you can give them, but you haven't corrected anything yet. So until we truly get to the core of what the issue is, uh, I believe that we're just sort of palliating. And yes, it may yes. not be a prescription, but we're still mm-hmm. not really going to get the person to truly understand what health is and they're still treating disease. I will say that I have noticed some folks who think they're practicing functional medicine, they are actually practicing biological medicine. (laughs) They just don't realize it yet. So I think there's a great audience there to convert for sure. Because, you know, you and I both know there are incredible doctors who are saying they're practicing integrative medicine. Uh, You know, their patients are getting better, but a lot of patients plateau to that one point. And when you're talking about providing medicine on a quantum level, oh my gosh. I mean, the possibilities there are just so endless. Absolutely. So I want to take a walk down memory lane here for a minute, because I didn't know until recently that you had a background in dentistry. Mm -hmm. So do you work closely with biodentists when you're in Rhode Island and you're working at the biomed center? Uh, you know, they obviously have well-rooted. What what are those relationships like with biodentists? Can you ki- kind of give it from a um, perspective of if you were the patient, this is what it could be like for you? So the, the tremendous advantage of having, and and I'm not sure if there's anywhere else in the country that has a biological dentist and uh, biological physicians literally in the, under the same roof. Uh, you know, even here in Scottsdale, uh, we don't have a biological dentist in our physical clinic. There are three or four other dentists in the city, mind you, who do who do biological dentistry. So it's unique in Rhode Island. And the you know the the potential advantage for a patient is is that you truly get the best of both worlds. Uh, you know, to because dentistry, you know, whatever is involved in dentistry, we're going to go beyond just a basic filling or you know a, uh, an X-ray or that type of thing. We have the we have the ability to uh, you know co-treat the patient, which would include some of the diagnostics, uh, which include heart rate variability, to see what the nervous system is doing, 
we have the ability to do thermography where we can actually look at uh, 50 different organ systems over 20 different tissues, even before the dentist starts any type of a treatment. And we can basically uh, co-treat the patient to optimize healing, you know, whether they need surgery, whether they need an implant or, you know, whatever the, the, the treatment ultimately becomes. And for people who uh, have a need to have uh, old amalgam fillings replaced or any type of filling replaced for that matter, we have right in the same building, we can literally can go from the dental chair, walk 15 steps over into our IV suite and follow that particular treatment with a, with a, you know, a type of a therapy that immediately is being supportive as opposed to saying, well, now you don't need to go and find, you know, if they're at a, in a bio, go and find another clinic who ultimately can do it for you. So tremendous benefit of doing it. You know, unfortunately, dentistry and medicine was separated by the AMA, yeah. probably the 1800s. And it's almost like dentists and medicine doesn't, don't coexist. But, you know, dentistry isn't a, from the collarbone up and medicine, the, the collarbone down. It's all <laughs> one person. You know, they, everything that happens in your mouth also happens in the rest of your body. So it's a tremendous, and, and dentistry plays an incredibly important role in allowing people to totally achieve uh, this level of optimal performance or optimal wellness that uh, ultimately they're, that they're looking for. So they can co-mingle, you know, there, there's an appropriate time, I believe, to do certain types of treatments. And, you know, if, let's say somebody is on the biomed side, and you know their their nervous system is really not in a good place of balance, and they they need a fairly extensive amount of dentistry. We'd say maybe we need to do some you know work for a few weeks to try and balance that out because it'll make the dentistry and the, the job for the dentist much easier and much more successful, and then the healing will be much more successful for the patient. So it's really a team approach. It's part of this entire team that that we talked about earlier that you mentioned that. Uh, we can't do it individually. We really need a number of people working together to truly optimize the result for the patient. I am always very impressed, inspired, intrigued uh, when I find out that, uh, you know, biodentists have discovered or led a person to the path of either coming back from a diagnosis of breast cancer or helping them be diagnosed and then, you know, not have it be as extreme. And in my own experience, I have found a lot of biodentists working together with biological medical doctors, discovering hormonal patterns, uh, you know, that then lead to whole person healing. So I'm, I'm just always so intrigued and impressed by the way you all, you know, work together. And like you said, there, there's no way that they can be separate. Maybe it's, that you need to take the systems-based approach and do some work ahead of time and then lead them into dentistry. But uh, yeah, I just, I just find the relationship to be imperative overall. It's, it's pretty much essential. And, you know, and, you know, being in dental school many years ago, yes, we learn about the body, but you know, once you graduate, it's like, Oh, go to the medical doctor for this, go to the <laughs> something in the mouth. It's like, that's not really the way it's supposed to work because they're all one body. You know, I've always tell people, you know, I've never had a head just walk in my office. It's usually attached to the rest of the body. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I love that. Oh my gosh. Well, let's, let's dive into hormones. So you have really unique philosophies here. Your colleagues have told me you need to talk to Dr. Tom about hormones. Okay. So uh, when we were at dinner, I said something about andropause to you and you said, 
oh, well, I don't, I don't know how to treat andropause. Just like you said, you know, earlier about what you say to your patients and, you know, you sort of laughed when I asked you that question, but we never really got into it, into it. So let's do that here. Let's talk about hormones and your unique approach. So I don't know, unique is a, is maybe a strong word, but I can certainly tell you what my belief system is. Uh, you know, the, the whole idea of menopause uh, is treated in, in the Western world anyway as a disease. Uh, menopause is not a disease. Uh, menopause is a natural progression uh, of aging. That simply means uh, a woman, or, or menopause for a man, that theoretically has passed the, the ability to procreate the species. So it's supposed to be a natural process. It's not supposed to be involved with uh, maintaining hormone levels as if you could still procreate, uh, you know, and have a baby. And so, you know, aging is, an, is a natural process. And with aging comes, comes wisdom. And so what I found is, is that, you know, this whole advent of biological medicine, uh, because a woman is in menopause and she comes in, she's having hot flashes, she has vaginal dryness, she has insomnia, uh, she has no libido, you know, she has dry skin, she feels she's getting more wrinkles. Oh, how terrible is this? And so we live in this, this, this unrealistic society. So what the, the reality is, what's supposed to happen, and you know, believe it or not, I have a few of these patients, that <laughs> menopause is, is actually a natural transition. And what's supposed to happen is there's not supposed to be this perimenopause phase that everybody talks about, where theoretically you don't have a menstrual cycle for one year, and now you're theoretically you're menopausal. What's supposed to happen is you're supposed to have a normal menstrual cycle, which is supposed to be between 26 and 30 days every month, literally from the time you start menarche until you no longer, you know, the body has basically run out of eggs, we'll say, and <laughs> not able to procreate anymore. Uh, so, and then you're supposed to have a menstrual cycle and then you're not supposed to have a menstrual cycle and it just stops. And there's no hot flashes, there's no anything. And then we say, well, how's that possible? Because all, all hormones really are, as we look at the organs that basically are making these hormones, so a postmenopausal woman still needs estrogen. She still needs testosterone. She still needs progesterone, but it's not her ovary basically where it's coming from. Now it's coming from the organ that, that has historically throughout our 250,000 years on this planet is being produced by the adrenal gland. Thank you. So, <laughs> so you know, what I have said for, for women that I see who are still menstruating, I said, the more you get in balance before you get to the age where you stop menstruating, you won't have any menopausal symptoms. The reason that women have menopausal symptoms is because there are other hormones, their thyroid hormone, their adrenal hormone, are two of the most common, are really overtaxed. We live in a society of high stress. People don't know how to manage their stress. They think stress is bad. Now, stress is a, necess is a necessary component uh, you know, of life. And without stress, actually, we couldn't function uh, very effectively and very well. So my whole approach is, it's not about giving hormones, because when you give hormones, it's no different than giving somebody uh, Tylenol because they have a headache, and they think their headache went away. No, you still have the headache, because you haven't really dealt, unless you have a Tylenol deficiency, uh, <laughs> the headache isn't due to taking, it isn't going to be corrected by taking Tylenol. And just because you can't feel it, it doesn't mean it's healthy. So when, in my, in my approach, when women or men, for that matter, whether it's they take testosterone um, 
or whatever other hormone that that's ultimately required. So the the biological medicine approach in my practice is basically is to, is to look at all organ systems, not just an ovary, not just saying, are you getting enough hormones, but what do we need to do for you individually to balance your system? So your, your, the gland that's supposed to be making these hormones called the adrenal gland makes adequate levels. You know, a woman still has the 200 different tissues in her body that are that have receptors for estrogen and progesterone. So just the fact that you don't menstruate doesn't mean that the hormone goes away. Uh, so as a result of that, we can use homeopathic remedies to support that. Obviously, we're trying to balance all the systems. There is a focus on, uh, you know, I always say that think of a triangle uh, and one of the corners put thyroid and one of the corners put the adrenal on the other corner, put the ovary or the testes. Those are obviously not the only endocrine organs you sure. have. Uh, but when you take away one of the corners, the other two have to work harder. So when you look at historically, when is the most common age that women are, are diagnosed with thyroid? It's postmenopausal. It's like, why? It's because <laughs> it has to do more work. I mean, really common sense would tell people that there's, there's a problem with this picture. Uh, and I always have to chuckle, and it just happened last week, a gentleman uh, who was on statin medication uh, because his doctor thought his cholesterol was too high. So we did a blood test. His, his cholesterol was, was about 125. And I said, well, you don't have enough cholesterol to make any hormones. He said, what do you mean? He said, well, you need at least about 160 to 180 if you're truly, because every hormone in our body has, a, has the raw material starting with cholesterol, which people don't realize. Oh, they're so shocked to hear that. You know, and 80% of the cholesterol is coming from our liver, not from what we're eating. It's not about fat in your diet. It's about how you're treating your liver and what else you're doing generally. So this gentleman, of course, surprise, surprise, was on testosterone. Mm. I said, well, why do you think you have low testosterone? I don't know why. I said, well, I'll tell you why, because you have no raw material to make any. <laughs> so if you had some raw material and we supported it, you wouldn't need to take testosterone. And he's not the only gentleman that I've seen. I've seen many. You know, for different reasons, people will think, oh, I, I need to take these hormones. And my experience is, I personally, yes, I absolutely agree that women feel better and men feel better temporarily. But if you're going to take them forever, it's not a natural process. It's not what the body should be doing. And biological medicine can help you identify the areas that are out of balance. It can tell us what your nervous system is doing, what organs are doing. It can, it can help us uh, decide which would be the potential, the best approach supporting us to support you, knowing that most of the support is not what we do. It's what you do. Yes, um, it's what you do. That's such an important distinction. You know, 99.9% .9 of the time uh, in, a, in a person's month, they spend not in the doctor's office. They spend in their own family. So everybody <laughs> does a wiggle bit. Yes. Does the rest is up to them. Um, it's yeah, it's so funny what you're saying about, you know, you don't have an aspirin deficiency or a Tylenol deficiency, you, you know, you don't in this triangle that you talk about. Um, sure, people will feel temporarily better if you supplement with hormones, but it's going to eventually tax some other area. And it isn't the recipe for longevity, frankly. And so, you know, again, temporary solution. A lot of my uh, patients back in private practice, you know, maybe guessing like 15 years ago, they were always so surprised when I would tell them, you know, in Japan, they don't even have a word for menopause. It just isn't a thing. 
that's recognized. And, you know, we had a similar discussion that we're, you know, having now. And again, you don't spend your life in a doctor's office. It's all about what you're doing every day. So the fact that you are a natural teacher and, you know, you're working with different generations of patients, um, I'm sure a lot of your education goes into, all right, how do we set you up? So it's not a word that's even in your lexicon. You just aging gracefully is not even experiencing it. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, this just leads me into what I wanted to talk to you about next. Um, in my pra- in my practice, I in epigenetics, I'm really working with people at the belief level first. You know, my version of figuring out where someone's nervous system is is first discovering how they were raised, how they're living their lives, what beliefs those are based off of, and I teach them how things manifest on the physical plane because of all of these, you know, neurological connections. And it might sound cheesy, but people need to hear all of your cells are listening, you know, and they want to conspire in your favor. So when I was looking through some of the different, you know, books that you've written, I actually didn't know that you'd written the book um, about trauma, trauma, disease, and healing with the brain protocol and bioregulatory medicine. You know, you and I both know if people are juggling a chronic illness and they're overworked in their nervous system. The idea of healing from a serious diagnosis can be, you know, just feeling impossible to them. So my question isn't necessarily about the treatment protocols, but rather how do you help people build hope first? And then what is your special approach to uncovering trauma and healing the brain? You know, what's your route in talking to people about it? You know, I think what I have learned uh, over all these years of practicing and and really watching people truly get better uh, is the realization and the understanding that, you know, the reason that they go to a doctor now, you know, now meaning, you know, whatever they're doing. So they go to the doctor now because, you know, they have a sore belly or this hurts or that hurts or they have a lumper. And then the doctor gives them some maybe not so good news and says, oh, you have this. And, you know, what I've always said to my patients, you know, the reason that you're here today uh, is only from what where you came from. It's not because it just happened yesterday. Uh, for example, you know, unfortunately, we talk about cancer isn't something that just happened. Cancer is a process that takes 20 or 30 years. So what you were doing 20 or 30 years ago pretty much was laying the groundwork for the for imbalances, the cells, as you said, talking together to basically get out of balance and out of alignment. So our immune system and our systems that normally would be able to remove this rogue cell, because you know the idea is we probably all have about a million cancer cells every day, but thankfully we have immune systems that can take them out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so you're right about, it. so what I have learned is, is that most people's present day problems actually don't stem from a time of before they were conceived. Literally, what were your parents doing? What was your parents' life like before you were even conceived, if they even have the ability to know that? So I believe that chronic illness starts literally before the moment of conception. And so I have delved into this whole idea of, of allowing people to understand their where they have come from. Uh, an exercise that has proved incredibly valuable for people is actually is to do their own autobiography, and often by decades. So what was your first 10 years like? 
What was your next 10 years like? What were your 20s like, 30s like, et cetera? And what they, what, what it's both a healing process because they start to understand, you know, when we understand that, that, you know, we through epigenetics pretty much are directing how our cells divide. You know, when they did the Human Genome Project and started in 1978, the assumption was that we probably had about 150,000 genes to make the more or less 100 plus thousand proteins, which genes are supposed to be doing. But then when it was finally uncovered in 2003 and we only had like 25,000 genes, they said, oh my gosh, what happened? How can we have so many proteins with, with so few genes? And that's where the whole potential of epigenetics has come in. So what you eat does matter because what you eat can decide whether a cell goes down, you know, goes to the right or goes to the left. If you don't get enough sleep, it'll decide whether, you know, which direction, which protein is being made or not made. So we now know that each gene can make, you know, four or five different proteins, depending on circumstance or situation. So if you have a whole bunch of amalgam fillings, if you, uh, you know, basically your five primary monkeys do not work efficiently, et cetera, that's going to ultimately lead to a point where you will have a variety of signs and symptoms. So the function of the purpose of biological medicine is to help one understand the preferred epigenetic approach for them. And most of the reason, most of the ways that we personally react to a situation is actually what I call learned perceptions. You learned it from somebody. And who yes. did you learn it from? You learned it from your parents, your grandparents, your siblings, et cetera. Bingo. And those patterns have been totally ingrained into your brain. Uh, and so it's like you're the hard drive on your computer. You know, it's, you know, you turn the computer on and it's all there. So what we have learned and what we now know is, is that as we age, our cell, our neurons can be pruned and the ones we don't use, uh, basically get pruned out and we yeah. don't use them anymore. Yeah. And the ones we use are the ones we use a lot of time. So I have found through the use of, uh, different therapies, including homeopathics, we're actually to re allow people to re to reprogram their neurons, to change the pathway, to change their learned perceptions. When they basically come to realize that they that the reaction that they have doesn't have to be, uh, you know, the way it is. And the, a dramatic story that I have often shared in my seminars was a patient years ago when I was still practicing in Portland, Oregon. Um, a, a woman came in and I don't remember the reason I had it, but I had an artificial rose, uh, you know, in my office at the time. Interesting. And this woman was, had anaphylactic reactions to roses. So she, it was there was nothing real. There's no perfume. There's nothing there. There's no pollen. She came in the room, saw it and had an anaphylactic reaction. And it's like to a plastic rose. Yeah. How's that possible? Mm -hmm. Well, because your brain thought it said, oh, it's a rose. You're going to react. Get out your EpiPen. And so it had nothing to do with. So it was that literally it was a learned perception that her brain had trained her to do that. This is what's going to happen. And so it was one of those aha moments. It's like, OK, it's you don't even need a real thing to have a reaction. If your learned perception is telling you this is what's going to happen. This is how we're going to react. This is how we're going to respond to a specific situation. And, you know, if a situation is a, isn't appropriate, then we can actually allow, we can train the body to change it differently. And so the book that, uh, that you mentioned that I'm writing is really about allowing people to literally start at a time of preconception 
and literally go through the seven stages of development uh, that we go through through three to the different years that allows our immune system, our endocrine system, our nervous system, all our organ systems to uh, develop in a sort of a natural way that they were supposed to uh, while we're supporting that. And, you know, I, I, I akin it to uh, having, you know, somebody who set up all these dominoes, some fancy thing, <laughs> and click the first one. And, you know, they're also, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, but if one of them is out of a line, alignment it won't fall down so our goal is to stand those dominoes back up put them back in alignment and then when you click it things go the way they do so reactions that people have always had don't have to be the reaction they continue to have as they continue to move forward uh, in their health and it's been a it's, it's been dramatic and as as a physician it's the most dramatic thing i personally have ever seen with my patients where you truly take a person you know through this, through the series of protocol uh, that I do describe uh, in the in the book, um, that ultimately will allow people to you know live the rest of their life, the last part of their life, in a totally different situation. And you know the feedback from from the hundreds of patients that I've done this with is, you know, people will say, "Where well, are you the same person?" I said, "You're you are the same person. You just don't respond the same way because you have." had different opportunities to learn that there's a different appropriate response to uh, some type of a circumstance and situation uh, in general. So I mean, people are generally much calmer and that kind of thing. Yeah, we're definitely speaking the same language to our you know, patients and clients. And I love that you're doing that because so few uh, clinical doctors are having these types of conversations with their patients. They just aren't. And it's completely necessary the, the work that I do with people is all about rewriting their story. And I refer to my patients as chain breakers, you know, um, epigenetic upgraders. They're just the people in their family line who become the observers of their own lives long enough to say, um, I really think it's time to rewrite history here. And so then, you know, they're sons and daughters become my clients and it becomes a family affair. I think getting back to family medicine is so imperative uh, as far as the multiplier effect goes here. So, you know, earlier in the conversation, you talked about biological medicine being the future medicine. And I think of it in that way, but I also just think of it as being, um, you know, the, the true medicine of the past. And now we're just reinvigorating it, right? Well, if we have the roots of uh, biological medicine was Aristotle, like 130 BC. So it's been around forever. Oh my gosh. It's funny how, when you're in school, everybody makes out physics to be so difficult, but it's so obvious. <laughs> it is. It's, it's, and it's the most basics. And in fact, when I was still a professor at the, at the school in Portland, I tried to get them to reteach physiology and biochemistry in the final year, because, you know, we learned it in med school you pass the tests, you pass your exams, and then you say, oh, yeah, well, that's not really that important. But it actually, it's critical. When we understand physiology, we understand why the body does what it does. And then we have the ability using quantum type therapies to ultimately change how it responds. But it doesn't always have to respond the same way. No, it doesn't. I love that you mentioned 1978 and 2003. This is just a personal thing. I was born in 1978. And 
in 2003, also 1978, when the Genome Project was getting going. In 2003, that's when I started my hardcore epigenetics uh, research. And it's all always gone back to, um, you know, people's beliefs and how that's imprinting, uh, you know, generationally over and over and over again. So I can't wait till, when is this book coming out? Uh, it should be within the next two months. Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. This is right up all my clients' alleys. They're always asking me, you know, well, where can I learn more? And there's still so few printed resources where they can hear the whole story and right. have, um, you know, the biomedical come together with perception of life. Absolutely. So we could totally keep talking all day long, but... <laughs> <laughs> I would love to ask you, you know, what wisdom do you want to bestow on everybody here? You know, I really think that what you've achieved in your 45 years, I, you know, was joking and saying, it's like climbing up several times to Everest. You know, you've done a lot and it's all in the name of teaching people how to live their lives, right? And knowing what's possible for them and getting rid of all the information and unlearning things so that they can upgrade in these ways. So, you know, what kind of legacy do you hope to leave behind with everything that you've done and continue to do? I would hope that my main legacy is uh, allowing people to realize that um, there's always hope. You know, I have, I truly have the belief that there are no uh, incurable diseases, no matter what any physician has told you. There are only incurable patients. Uh, but patients who will embark on the reality of the types of things, we call them, you know, basic treatment guidelines or natural laws, if you like, uh, have the ability to do that and incorporate it into their lives and their, their loved ones' lives and their children, their grandchildren's lives. They have the ability to totally change the direction that uh, humankind is going in. And when, you know, when people, I'm hoping that when people, you know, read the book, uh, that they'll have an understanding that you know, they're not destined to go in a certain direction. You know, there was a study done in Penn State two, uh, 20 years ago without knowing what, whether they basically did a sort of these, this, a study of looking at, you know, people's childhood and they were able to predict who was going to have heart disease, who was going to get cancer, who was going to get autoimmune disease. I don't think they knew what they were looking at, but now that we know epigene about epigenetics, now that we know the effects of trauma that people have, and you know, trauma is an, is an interesting thing. People think, oh, trauma, you had a bad accident, your house burned down, your parents died. Trauma is something as simple as you're, you know, you lost your doll in a fire or, you know, because I've yeah. heard so many stories and mm -hmm. it, you know, trauma is about interpretation. So I really hope that people will embrace the idea that, you know, this whole idea of, we'll call it modern medicine and the whole idea of CRISPR now, we're going to change our genes is not the direction that I think we need to be going in. We need to be simply going in. We need to be going back to our roots, if you like, going back to what Aristotle started in 130 BC, practicing real biological medicine of understanding physics, biochemistry, and you know, and chemistry of, of how do we help a person uh, live on a day-to-day -day basis in a life that's pretty hectic, uh, in a society that's pretty hectic, that has a whole lot of EMFs around, but yet we can still we can still function amazingly well. But we have to do the things that we for ourselves. So the legacy really is: these are the tools that you can do for yourself, can teach your family, uh, you can teach people around you, 
Uh, and these are the things where you can help solve some of the issues of where you came from. Uh, you don't have to basically stay stuck in mud and you can move forward. And it doesn't matter what diagnosis you've been given because there are people in the planet who have healed from every single disease, no matter how devastating it may seem to you. So providing hope for people uh, is, I think, an important aspect. And I would hope my the books that I've written uh, what I've shared with patients, what I've shared with in my seminars and things, that people will be able to share that and will will create a more of an understanding that, you know, the hospital isn't where you go for healthcare. The no. hospital is where you go when you've had a devastating illness to try and get out of the hospital. Uh, but let's let's the focus. The real healthcare happens in your own home, and that's where we have to allow people to focus on what it is that they need to do for themselves. And if if people can adopt that idea that. It's not a magic pill, and it's yes, uh, you have to change some things, but that's that doesn't necessarily have to be painful because the 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 oldest societies that are surviving usually are the simplest society, and you find that they walk everywhere, they they drink water, and they eat well, and they sleep well, etc. That's really what our legacy has to be. Do you think that we could ever get the U.S. to become a blue zone, like all the longest living places? <laughs> It's, uh, well, if we have to throw little pockets yeah. uh, uh, of these types of things, and the more and more people know about biological medicine, the more and more people find a biological medicine practitioner, the more that they can influence people one-on-one. -on -one. We have, you know, I would hope that my grandchildren will be able to be in a society that they, you know, we can say is much more of a blue zone that we presently have in this country. Same, most definitely. So how can people best access all of the tools you're offering? So let's go through them because I want to make sure that everybody really knows. So the certification, if someone is interested in that, um, should we refer them directly to you or the Marion Institute? Uh, the Marion Institute is actually uh, doing the certification program. I'm basically going to be the presenter, but uh, Katie Mannix uh, at the Marion Institute is, will be the point person uh, to contact uh, MarionInstitute.org. Uh, you'll find it. Uh, Katie Mannix, uh, you know, Marion Institute. Uh, you'll find it. So that definitely would be where to go for you know interest. And uh, uh, the website's up. Uh, she sent out uh, the, the emails have gone out. So uh, you'll find it on the Marion Institute website. I'll be sharing that with everybody right here on the Well-Examined platform too, because I already have a list of people who knew I was going to talk about this with you who are interested in it. So, yeah. and then we're just directing everybody to the American center for biological medicine and the biomed center to see you in person. Uh, correct. That's where we see people, uh, right. The biomed center and in Rhode Island, right. Both places. And how is everybody going to find your book when it comes out? Where is that going to be available? Uh, my suspicion will be, it will be available on Amazon. Okay. Uh, awesome. My editor is, I mean, I haven't had a conversation most recently, but that's probably the, the will be the best direction for people to find it. Or eventually, of course, the Biomed Center and ACBM, you know, will, on uh, Marion Institute will have it. So we'll have those, those areas and they'll, they'll end up being linked to uh, probably Amazon, but Biomed Center, ACBM, Marion will definitely have the book also. You'll have another book right on the shelf at the Biomed Center. They have an incredible library over there. They do. They indeed do. Yes. Thank you for being you and for doing what you're doing. It's just really incredible. And 
I'm really excited to share all of this with everybody. So thank you for being with us today. I agree. I always appreciate the opportunity. It's that the more people understand it and the more, you know, I've always felt if you just tweak somebody's interest and sometimes you have to tweak it several times before something happens and they say, yeah, it's time uh, that we make a change. And I hope this uh, little conversation we've had will uh, pique some people's interest to uh, look beyond what they're presently doing and make them themselves and their patients, uh, if they're practitioners, uh, even uh, more successful. Well, at the end of the day, I like to say that we're all hope dealers, really. (laughs) Thank you. Until next time, be well. And we'll talk to you soon, Dr. Tom. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Okay.